Welcome to another Dragonland Saga Hangout. It is Lenara's Floor Game the 21st. <laughs> sure, I said that right. My name is Adam. Uh, this is uh, Dragonlance Hangout. This is just where we chill out, talk a little smack about Dragonlance or Dungeons and Dragons or whatever pops up in the chat. And we'll just try to have a, a good time on a, a nice, beautiful Sunday afternoon. Actually, this saved me from doing a whole bunch of more yard work that I had planned. Um, we planted our gardens this morning, which meant turning the soil over, going and getting compost, and like putting a bunch of compost in each of our raised flower beds. We have six of them, uh, garden beds. And then turning the soil all over. Then we had to run over to Home Depot, get a bunch of seeds and plants, and it was just a whole... Hey, Goldman, how you doing? Thanks for tuning in. It was a whole thing. So being out in the sun all day and finally looking at my watch and going, you know what, it's noon? I have to go take a shower now. <laughs> Sorry. Looks like you're going to be doing this all by yourself now. My wife loves that. <laughs> I'm sure. All right. So uh, I would like to take a moment and thank the members of this YouTube channel and invite you to consider becoming a member by, by visiting the links in the description below and remind you that you can always pick up Dragonlance Gaming Materials using my affiliate links, and that's any edition. <clears throat> so you picked up a bunch of chamomile this morning. We just planted chamomile. So uh, interesting. Nice little uh, serendipity there. Chamomile's nice, as far as the tea goes. I don't know anything else about the plant, so I don't I don't know how we're supposed to harvest the tea leaves or the plant. I just know that my wife loves that stuff, and so she wanted to plant it. So I do what she says, <laughs> like a dutiful husband. It's exhausting though, because as soon as you start. A garden it's literally every day you have to be weeding you have to be paying attention making sure the soil is damp and making sure that the plants are not being consumed by other insects or anything a, a lot of people will cross plant where you know you'll have like traditional flowers that sort of naturally repel certain types of insects amid your vegetables and fruits that you're planting and there's a whole science to it and we were uh, over at Home Depot and my wife was like, how about we just do like a, a gardening YouTube channel and we'll just do that. I was like, that's a great idea. But do you mean we or do you mean me? Because I don't really have time to do another channel all by myself. I'm kind of strapped thin as it is. And she's like, well, you know, it'd be, it'd be me. So I'd be helping. No, I tried to do a podcast with her before. It was called You, Me and the Devil Makes Three. And all it was was just us talking about family and relationships, talking with other couples. And um, it really was really just about connections between us. And that lasted like 50 episodes. <laughs> she's, she's not one to want to uh, push the envelope and keep doing something unless I drag her kicking and screaming into it. So, um, Relly, how you doing? My day is going quite well. Thank you very much. Now that I'm doing this, it's going well. So let's talk about yesterday's game for a second. What a hell of a game that was. It had a great time. I'm not 100% sure I'm okay with the time slot that I've chosen. It puts one of the players in a pretty late precarious position. It puts, uh, But it does allow my son to be able to come in and play from time to time. And it gives me a chance to actually do yard and garden work in the morning before the game. Which means Sundays are traditionally like my going out in the mountains and hiking. And I haven't been doing that lately because the runoff up in the mountains has been just abysmal because we had the biggest snow of the, like a decade or so uh, season. It was just brutal. And so there's tons, like the rivers are flooding and just tons of runoff everywhere. The trails are like super muddy. That's not really pleasant to go, you know, hiking in. 
So now that I've got the game in the evening, I can do all my yard and garden work on sun Saturday. And then Sunday, I can just go crawl through the mountains. It's going to be great. You guys are going to see a bunch of like really fun little videos in the, the stories feed for Dragonlance. I'll, I'll try to tie it in with Dragonlance and like, you know, if a specific region or trail might look like a certain area in Kryn, Ancelon, or Talada's, then I'll, I'll try to, you know, sort of play in the little role-playing side of it just to keep it interesting. But it's just uh, a great way of sharing some really, really beautiful, beautiful scenery. Utah is so much more than a desert. It is truly stunning. All right, so I thought the game went really well. We did some great role-playing. We just had some really devastating fight. But really what we're seeing is this grander story unfolding with Dragonlance. And there's been mention of this um, city called Onyari a couple times, which we have no real connection to of understanding what that city is. We're meeting a bunch of like really interesting people. We've gone to different planes of existence at this point. We're, we're delving into ruins and, and ancient tower structures. I mean, it's going to get really interesting. That being said, this is not the only game that I'm going to be running. So in September and October, I've already mentioned this last week, but it bears repeating because some stuff is coming up uh, that's related to it. I'm going to be running a uh, Ravenloft module called When Black Roses Bloom, which is a Lord Soth-centered Ravenloft adventure for Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. I've already got the group lined up for it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to start doing the character creation live on off weeks when I'm not running the Shadow of the Dragon Queen campaign. So once all the characters are created, right now I have six players lined up. It should be really great. Hey, ASMR, it's been a while. How you doing? Thanks for tuning in. Once we have all those characters created, then we'll just wait until September hits and we'll just hit the ground running. September 2nd, I think is the first Saturday in September. And we were just going to dive in to Ravenloft knee deep. I mean, we're just gonna just, you know, I mean, eyeballs deep we're just going to get in there and it's going to be fun because all the characters are going to originate from Kryn you know it's up to the playing characters where they originate from but the time frame frame that they're being taken is after the blue ladies war before the summer of chaos and so it's sort of that sweet spot of Kryn where everyone loves that time frame and it's not really explored a ton and it's pretty open-ended because the dragon army still has remnants uh, militias everywhere and warlords and stuff like that so but all you know magic is back priests are back the gods have returned and everything so you have all of your traditional dragonlance flair um but we're just going to be taking the characters out of that time period of Kryn, putting them in to uh, uh ravenloft and they're just gonna have to deal with lord soth <laughs> it's gonna be so much fun i cannot wait for that oh man Draconian Measures was a hell of a good book. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. That was a really, really good book. Uh, thanks, Chris. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for that. If you need an extra character, oh, and salutations. So, Ryan, we actually um, have a full group at this point. I reached out to some people who had previously reached out to me earlier about wanting to get into the Shadow Dragon Queen game, but they couldn't because I have a full group there. Um, this is only going to be running two months. It's not a very big adventure, so we should be able to get through it in you know six weeks but i've lined up seven or eight weeks or i think maybe even nine weeks so some slamming doors in my house so we should be able to get through that module but i want to make sure we have a little bit of padding to do some role playing not just hack and slash our way through you know i really want to get a flavor of what ravenloft is which is gothic 
horror. And as soon as you understand that, as, as certainly as players coming into it, but also as a viewing audience, then you understand it's not like the Shadow Dragon Queen adventure we're running. It's not like your traditional Dungeons & Dragons uh, dungeon crawling stuff. This is very much story-centered, and the characters are going to have to be dealing with fear checks and horror checks and madness checks and like all sorts of great stuff that Ravenloft brings into uh, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition that hadn't been part of it before. So I'm really looking forward to that. So what I've started doing in preparation is reading the box set, the um, second edition Ravenloft box set, which is sort of called the red box because it came out after a bunch of different campaign setting for second edition books had been released and one box set had been released previously. But this sort of culminates all that information. So I'm going to do a big review on that probably next week because I'm halfway through it right now. Um, I'll do a review on that, and then I'm going to dive right into the Player's Handbook for 2nd Edition, Dungeon Master's Guide for 2nd Edition, and um, uh, uh, When Black Roses Bloom Adventure, and give you guys reviews of all of that. Because I'm going to have time between now and the adventure starts to do all of that, which is why I'm starting it so far in advance. So it should be exciting, and Gold Moon is going to be joining me this weekend, and also I'm hoping a couple other players to create their characters and really sort of get the tone of what this party is going to look like. I'm really excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, God, it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. And let me know, is this something that you guys find interesting? Is it something that you would consider wanting to play in other Dragonlance modules after I'm done running that one? Like, I want to go back and do the original DL 1 through 14 modules, but 15 and 16 have some great standalone adventures in them like little short adventures i'd love to do so you know like two or three session adventures um and those are for first and second edition and then i would love to do some of the third edition adventures um so there's just all sorts of stuff that i really really want to dive into with this channel and have a lot of fun and get as many different people in the group as possible to try out um but if i'm being 100 honest i always want to keep some people that i've played with before so that i know they're, they're a known quantity, you know what I mean? Whenever you get a new group together, you don't really know the tone. For players watching me DM, they get how I run things. They get how I expect the, the game to sort of progress. But I have no idea what the player is going to bring to the table. And so when it's a new player, I kind of want to pad it up with a couple new players, with some established players that I, I'm comfortable with, so that we can all sort of gel together. And I'll do that every time of, like, bringing in new, fresh meat... <laughs> to the gaming table and hopefully have have a lot of fun playing some good old-fashioned nerdy ass Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um so yeah, we're going to be making characters this weekend so the, uh, this Memorial Day weekend coming up. I've got a short week so I'm really excited to, you know, have some time off and and celebrate. And um that's kind of it. Should we dive into what today's topic is? So what I wanted to talk about today is something that Chris brought to my attention. I don't know how I missed it. But um, what Chris had brought up was a Dragonlance-centered conversation for what was announced. And what was announced was not Dragonlance or arguably interesting, in my opinion, at all. Uh, so I didn't really mind not seeing it. So let's, let's look at this really quick. So this is Dungeons & Dragons' free 24-hour streaming channel set to launch this summer. And this is an exclusive from Variety, which was May 11th when it was announced this past uh, May 11th, so about a week and a half ago. Um, free ad-supported TV streaming fast service from Hasbro E1 to include original series, 
episodes from 80s animated show. So Hasbro Entertainment 1, E1, is rolling the D&D dice, betting that Dungeons & Dragons fans will flock to new free ad-supported streaming television fast channel dedicated to the fantasy franchise it's prepping for a summer launch. The Dungeons & Dragons Adventure Fast channel is expected to be available on a number of platformers, but E1 has not cut any distribution deals as yet, according to the company. The channel will feature a slate of original celebrity-focused unscripted series, including Encounter Party, Fast Purple Worm Kill Kill, and Heroes Feast, as well as a catalog content including the 1980s Dungeons & Dragons animated series. In addition, the Fast channel is to feature third-party content from top internet creators and influencers with a focus on live gameplay. That's interesting. So we're going to get into that in a second. Let's uh, make sure we make a note there. So this is, quote, this is an amazing opportunity to create and highlight exciting, engaging Dungeons & Dragons content to both serve our wide audience of existing fans and welcome a new wave of fans to the community, said Dan Rawson, SVP of Dungeons & Dragons at Wizards of the Coast, a subsidiary of Hasbro. We look forward to bringing the channel to life and continuing to build out the thrilling D&D universe with even more content, partnerships, and innovative formats. The Fast Channel will include episodes of the animated Dungeons & Dragons series that originally aired from 1983 to 1985, with a voice cast including Frank Welker, Willie Ames, Don Most, and Katie Lay. The show follows a group of young friends who are transported to the world of Dungeons & Dragons and must find their way home, taking many detours to help others along the way. So that's the first thing that they're going to be adding, is the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. Is that a draw? I don't think so, Tim, but... <laughs> You know, there's, there's a fan base, but you can watch all these on YouTube, so I don't know why you'd go to some weird third-party streaming service to, to watch them. I'm assuming they're going to make high-res versions of them because, again, these are probably like 380p, you know, from original old-school um, streaming TV or over-the-air TV. Uh, now, the second is Encounter Party. I had no idea who the hell Encounter Party is. So let me uh, let me bring this up because this is not something that I am interested in at all, and they don't seem to have much of a following at all either. So it's like audio, primarily it seems like, or all audio adventure podcast about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, they do have some one-off adventures in uh, YouTube, but it's very small audience and it just doesn't look interesting to me at all i don't understand why hasbro is going to bring in like someone that doesn't have a big following or or doesn't i don't know it's just sort of out there it's hip yeah i guess i mean it reminds me of colors from saved by the bell <laughs> you know in the 80s i just, it just doesn't seem interesting to me at all even when I went to their YouTube channel, I was just like, meh. But apparently it has an audience in audio side, just not the video side. When we, <laughs> It's rude to say, but, you know, sometimes people have a face for radio. <laughs> we'll just say that. So Encounter Party from the creators of the podcast of the same name follows six returning professional actors and improv artists from the original podcast and welcomes new cast member Carrie Payton, The Walking Dead, as they role-play an original D&D campaign with original characters set in the world of the Forgotten Realms. So that's the part that's interesting, is that they're bringing in specific uh, adventures in campaign worlds. Now, 5th edition, 
arguably has only ever focused on Forgotten Realms. Any other campaign world that they've thrown anything out there for, whether it's Ravenloft or Spelljammer or Dragonlance or anything, has been like a you know, a flip of the wrist, just throwing something on the ground and seeing if anyone picks it up because they don't really care. They've always, their bread and butter for a long time has been Forgotten Realms. So it makes sense that they would continue down that path. Though by doing that, they are ostracizing a whole lot of people, I think. So the next program is Faster Purple Worm Kill Kill. <laughs> I have no idea about this either. And it actually comes from Beetle and Grimm which is, uh, as far as I knew, <clears throat> just a gaming, like a game-creating company. Like, they create resources for gaming. And so it's interesting that they're... And like I guess I see that they've done, like, uh, one-off stuff. But I don't know anything else about this at all. So, and it just links back to the article that I'm reading already. So it's got some voice actors, it got some regular actors, it's got some people who you've seen streaming on Dungeons & Dragons podcast before. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's sort of an established entity for ham radio. Um, but again, that's, this is not something I'm interested in at all. I don't, this, watching D&D online is like watching any sport. I would rather be playing it than watching it. Like, there's no interest for me. The only reason why I watch any bits of Critical Role is because I really like the theme song in the beginning. So I'll literally sit through their their ads that they run just so I can hear the intro music. And then I'll watch them sort of, you know, riff a little bit for the campaign for about five minutes. And then I turn it off. I just can't sit there for hours unless I'm engaged in playing it myself. So I don't know why anyone else does ever. I'm glad that people do, but it's just, I'd rather be playing it, man. So yeah, watching a bunch of people in a bunch of different campaigns on a streaming service, there's already Twitch and YouTube. How are they possibly going to compete with the established entities out there? So Faster Purple Worm Kill Kill is described as an improv comedy spin on the classic Dungeons & Dragons gameplay. Each episode features a party of first-level characters, replete with backstories, accents, theme songs, and more, marching to their certain deaths as they face beasts against which they stand absolutely no chance. The series features a revolving cast of special guests and celebrities, including series co-creator Matthew Lillard. I do really like him, actually. Um, SLC Punk was a dope-ass film that he was in and he did a great job in it. And it was literally like me growing up like that. Those were, it shows like straight up Salt Lake city where I, you know, sort of was, those are my stomping grounds when I was a kid. Uh, Heroes feast is the final one. And this is arguably probably the most interesting to me personally. It's based on the recipe book and the best-selling cookbook. Now um, this cookbook heroes feast, Chris had a, uh, donated it to me so I could just see what it has because it had a different Odic spiced potatoes and it had a handful of Dragonlance specific recipes that I have finished creating. So there's videos that are going to be dropping in the next coming weeks finishing the last of the Dragonlance recipes in that cookbook. So I think there's like five or six total that I've done and um, the last two are vegetarian specific and eh, they weren't that great but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but it's interesting. I, I mean, my wife and I love watching cooking shows in general. You know, they got to be specific ones. And uh, 
watching other people, and of course I do my own little series on cooking recipes, so I definitely appreciate that aspect of it. So this is something that I probably will tune in to see, and if it's interesting, then, you know, this will be a draw for me. So anyway, it's part talk show, part cooking competition. Each episode features the show's two hosts, culinary hero Mike Harax, Harax? I don't know. And first level cook Swajata Day. I'm sorry, guys. I butchered your names. Prepping dishes for a revolving pair of guest diners. I need to get on this show. I've got to stand outside the door and just knock on it until they let me in because I need to be part of that. Mayonnaiseum, how you doing? Thanks for tuning in live. So it's definitely more fun to play, but if you're working at a desk like you do, listening to people uh, play Dragonlance is fun for you, especially. Yeah, I mean, that's the other part of it, is that if you're listening to it as a podcast, rather than like devoting your time just sitting there and doing nothing else and just watching it, I just can't rationalize that. Like, I'll listen to podcasts when I work out in the morning. I'll listen to podcasts while I'm working in the yard, as long as the you know, lawnmower's not running. And it's no problem. But if I'm just going to be sitting down and doing nothing and watching it, sign me up. I'm not, I'm not there for it. No way. And so that's the entirety of it. We have the three programs that are announced. Heroes Feast, Faster Purple Worm Kill Kill, and Encounter Party. But what they dropped here was in addition, the Fast channel is to feature third-party content from top internet creators and influencers with a focus on live gameplay. Hello? Wizards of the Coast, hook a brother up. Now, I'm going to be getting a faster computer, which is the reason why my stream isn't as perfect as I would like it to be. But I stream. <laughs> I have a popular channel. I'm right here waving my arms in the darkness. Let's, uh, let's stream some Dragonlance. Let's get some Dragonlance content on this streaming platform. I personally don't think it's going to last. I think Hasbro doesn't have a clue what they're doing. I think they struck gold with Dungeons & Dragons film, the recent one. But I think it's because third-party directors and writers did it, not Hasbro. So I just, I just don't think this is going to be great. I feel like they're going to need a lot more content for their 24-7 channel. Enter Adam. <laughs> yes, seriously. Um, I, I will recut all of my stuff just for the channel if they want me to. I will do anything like that because it would be fun. And I'd be cool with it. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys think? What would you like to see? Because I have some questions about this. Um, ultimately, when it comes down to it... Oof. Maybe I should keep my glasses on. Oh, my eyes. Um, I want to see Dragonlance and other campaign worlds actual plays or live plays on the channel. Now, what I would hate to see is just Forgotten Realms or Prime Material stuff, you know, non-campaign specific stuff. The truth is the Prime Material stuff is, you know, custom campaigns. That's the bread and butter of Dungeons & Dragons. It's not going to be restricted to anything and they can pretty much do whatever they want. And you have, you know, content creators like Critical Role up until they jump ship into their new uh, gaming uh, platform rather than using Dungeons & Dragons, which is very soon to happen. Um, they've created their own critical role campaign world and so that's you know their own custom little thing as an outside viewer i am less interested in custom campaign worlds than i am trying to tie into established campaign worlds and the reason for that is because tsr set up a bunch of really great campaign worlds that have devoted fans who have been following it for decades upon decades 
So you have an established uh, base of fandom already. So if you don't use those, then you're not queuing in to those fans. And it's like lost money by not doing that. If you can bring in a Dark Sun campaign, you can bring in a Planescape campaign, you can bring in a Spelljammer campaign, like old school second edition Spelljammer campaign, bring in an old school Ravenloft campaign and Dragonlance. I'm, I'm, there's like Birthright and there's... Um, oh gosh. There's a, just a, a shit ton of different campaign worlds that have massive fan, fan followings. Bring all of those in and have established campaign uh, sessions that run at specific times so you as a viewer know, oh, it's seven o'clock. It's time for me to go check out this live stream. So, you know, you can just pull it up on your phone or, or anything like that. Then you're going to make sure that you have not just well-produced content, but you also have fans watching and playing each one of these. If you just get a bunch of random actors who you think have their own little following to play, you're may, you know, you might have one-offs that are really popular, but by and large, people aren't already massive fans of them. It took Critical Role a long time to get as huge as they are. You know, and they had an uphill battle. Now, of course, they're beloved by seemingly everyone. But now they're jumping shark. You know, they're jumping ship to a different gaming system, not D&D anymore. So what are you going to do, you know, as, as far as uh, creating more content? Um, original cartoons is another option that they could explore. You know, you have this vast scope of um, uh, existing comic book and novel media go back to those go back to the the comics and go back to the novels and just make animated shorts of them or animated series of them you have tons of content out there. you can pull out greyhawk books that gary gygax wrote and make little animated shows of them it would cost less than doing a live action series you have an established fan base that's going to tune in to watch it and it's going to be one of those like long-lasting properties that will have legs long after it airs the first time. You do that for all the other old school campaigns, all the other school, the books and everything. Don't just have the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from the 80s. If you just have that, people may watch one or two episodes. They're not going to sit through the whole thing because upon reflection and watching it again, it is not as good as you thought it was as a child at Saturday morning cartoons. It's not. <laughs> the super devoted fans who love it, they'll watch it. But there's five of those people. Everyone else will skip through after they watch the first 10 minutes of the first one. Because it's just not good, you know? It's like old school He-Man or G.I. Joe. It's like terrible. Play reruns of the Dragonlance movie. See, that was my other one. You have properties. So just license it through Paramount because they own that film get it on your platform and just play that. You've got all your other Dungeons and Dragons films that you can sort of cycle through as well. I mean, there's, there's ways that they can do this and uh, make it successful, but it's Hasbro. And if it's not Magic the Gathering, they shit the bed a lot. So, and even with Magic the Gathering recently, they almost shit the bed. So what are you going to do? So you started to think of all the things you wanted to see on the channel and it's the things to do on this channel already. <laughs> <laughs> lore videos, interviews, live plays. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. I don't think they're going to do any sort of like lore stuff. It would be interesting if they did. Maybe it's just a show 
that talks about the lore of the different campaign worlds. You know, sort of like um, VH1 had like behind the music, you know, where you they would like focus on a band or a performer and just go like deep into it and the history of them and their rise and everything. If they had people like just like a series that would just bounce around to different campaign worlds and give some like really nice overview role, uh, uh, lore videos or, I don't know, episodes, and then start going deeper and deeper into it as they continue and just sort of frame it as, well, this is the Dragonlance series or season one, episode one, and then just go into uh, the first one, then uh, Ravenloft season one, episode one, and then just continue to deep dive further seasons in and get more granular as you, you know, create more content like I did on this channel, then I think you would have a lot of people not just learning about these campaign worlds, maybe for the first time, but also then awaking their interest into watching the other live stream shows that are set in those campaign worlds. Because now they have a primer to reference. Yes, there's a lot of YouTubers online that have um, created this sort of lore-based content. Tap them. The content's there already. License it from them. Repackage the content and put it out there. Because let's be honest, though the content may be really great, the visuals usually aren't at all. I've gone to great lengths to try to make mine visually appealing. Um, but sometimes, if you only have black and white images to reference in a specific topic or no images for a specific topic, you kind of just got to do what you got to do. So repackage existing material. You're Hasbro, you have money. So, you know, get animators or get artists to, to create these sort of, uh, if not slideshow or video animation or something to sort of tell the story of that video. And then just give a little taste to the original creator of it, you know, the original writers. And, you know, maybe a little call out at the end, like, you know, this content came from and then list the name of the channel or the creator. That would be a great way of get, like, giving back to the community, one, but also having established content on day one about all the different campaign worlds that Dungeons and Dragons is a part of, or vice versa on that. Um, and, and it's just like, it's a win-win situation for everyone. It would be brilliant. But are they going to do that? No, no, they're not. They don't care. They don't care at all. When they say this line um, in here about um, featuring third-party content creators from top internet creators, uh, third-party content from top internet creators, they're talking about actors and performers. They're not talking about regular people who may or may not be entertaining on screen or look good on screen, but they're never going to be giving them a chance because they're they're not part of the acting guild. They don't, you know, they don't have, they're not in a, a union. So I, I honestly think that if you're not an actor, you will not be on this streaming service full stop. Let's see, you started to think, oh, so uh, ASMR, did you guys see the D&D movie? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. I will tell you this though. It's available on Paramount Plus app and I haven't watched it again. So I watched it the first time. I really enjoyed it. I planned on buying it, but now that I've seen it in the theaters, I don't really want to sit and watch it on my TV or my phone for that matter. And I don't really want to buy it either. You know, it's one of those things where it was fun the first time, but on rethinking about it and revisiting it, I have zero, zero interest. You saw it four times in the theaters? Whoa, that is devotion, man. That's great.
Um, yeah, I mean, this is really all I wanted to talk about was this uh, streaming channel that Chris brought to my attention. It's just, uh, unfortunately, I just don't see it having any legs. It's got an uphill battle because there is so much streaming content out there right now. I mean, the difference between streaming content and having a YouTube channel or a Twitch channel is it's lost amid other streaming content channels. So, for example, if they put this on like Pluto TV or, you know, some other third-party ad-supported free streaming service, it's just one of an infinite number of other streaming channels on that same service. So there's no exclusivity, there's no draw to go to try to find it, and it becomes difficult to try to locate it. You have to download some third-party app, you have to be okay with either having other third-party ads showing in your face, Whereas if you go to Twitch or YouTube, it's up to the channel owner whether how many ads are in it or whether there's ads at all in it. And it's easy to find because all you have to do is type in the, 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 the category or the name and it immediately comes up. You go to a streaming service and you're going to get all sorts of results. And sometimes they're not even going to be what you're looking for. I just think it's a bad choice not to own the platform that they're streaming it on and just present it that way. I understand that they don't have enough content to have their own app, but they do have a YouTube channel, so start dropping it there and then license it out to multiple different streaming services. So if someone just happens to love Pluto TV or whatever other weird apps there are out there, then they can just get it there, you know? But there's established channels and you have established profiles on those channels. Leverage them. But it's Hasbro. They're stupid. They won't do it. They don't care that much. And they were supposed to be of selling that that entertainment platform anyway. So I, I just I don't know why they're doing this when they were going to be selling it. It, it makes no sense. Uh, so would Adam do a spot on such a channel? Yes, I would. But they would never let me. <laughs> Not for a second. <laughs> I would love to, though. I mean, that'd be great. That'd be a lot of fun. Um... I don't really have anything else to talk about. What do you guys want to chat about? This is just a hangout. We can talk about anything you want. Is there like a, a specific character you want to sort of riff about or maybe a specific area or an item or, I don't know, an era? Let me know in chat. Draconian measures are great. You know what? Have you seen my review of that? I got a whole review on it, on that book. I wish they would have done more though. Like, Draconian Measures itself as a standalone book was great. You pair it up with that second book, which was... I can't remember right now. And the two of them felt really fun. But we're so used to books coming in trilogies that I really wish they would have done another one. You know, I want to know... at when they, Like in the War of Souls, when uh, the Draconians come marching in to help defeat the Queen of Darkness... It just briefly mentions it, and then they go away. It would be really great if we could get a book about them and the, what it's like taking over Tear and, you know, really settling, and then hearing about that conflict and then marshalling their forces to go out there. And you could add so much other content to that story to really fill out a novel. But Margaret Weistrip said that they're not going to do anymore. She has no interest. So, I don't know. Twitch has a very loyal fan base of D&D &D players. They're going to need 
to pull viewers from that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Twitch is just a gaming platform, so it, it works perfectly for that. Personally, I just I'm more comfortable with YouTube than Twitch, and so I just keep everything there. You could follow those engineer troops for like eight books easy. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I mean, arguably, you don't even need Margaret Weiss or Don Perrin to continue writing it, right? I mean, I understand that they, like, they were married for a while, right? I don't know if they're married anymore, but at least I think they were. <laughs> I might be talking out of school. But in either case, you don't need them to write it. You have other authors out there just dying to contribute to Dragonlance. And right now, Wizards of the Coast doesn't want any Dragonlance books out there. They didn't even want the Dragonlance books that are coming out. You know, the Dragons of Destiny and Dragons of Fate and then whatever the third one's going to be called. They didn't want those. They tried to stop it with the legal action. And it literally took Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman taking Wizards of the Coast to court to get those books released. So, like, I just don't understand why they're not writing new novels, you know? I will say this. If they took the approach that Disney is taking with Star Wars and they made everything that's been already written Dragonlance classic and then they bring in a bunch of authors and they start doing new Dragonlance stories that completely changes canon you know for their new fifth editions in one D&D stories storylines I wouldn't be interested in that I would probably still read it because I'm a Dragonlance drug addict <laughs> drag I'm mainlining Dragonlance almost every day so you know but hey shy how you doing thanks for tuning in uh, Weiss ain't getting any younger. No, nah, but she's a creative, brilliant woman, and uh, I would love to see if she has anything else to say after this trilogy uh, for Dragonlance. Yeah, I know, and, and unfortunately, Manazian, um, that is exactly what they would do. I mean, they've already appended the Dragonlance story with classic, so it would just screw it up. I mean, the books that are being put out right now for Star Wars suck compared to the old EU books. And they're even being written by some of the same authors that contributed to the older stuff. So it makes no sense. It's just like the new, the new lore. They're just constantly like cherry picking from old lore, ignoring the heart and soul of what brought the old lore interest and just trying to repackage it, trying to make more money off of it. And it sucks. So I would hate it if they tried to do that with Dragonlance. Though if they ever did start new publishing, then that's exactly what they would end up doing. So, it's a bit of a mixed bag for us fans, you know? All right, well, I don't really have anything else to say. <laughs> what do you guys got, anything? It's so hot in this room. I mean, I, I don't have my ring lights, you know? I don't have that dramatic look that I normally do with my stuff. Um, but it's just, like, outside. It's, like, in the 80s, I think. It's really, really hot outside, so I'm just sitting here post-showered, trying not to be drenched in sweat. I remember when I was stationed in Georgia in the army, um, Augusta, Georgia is beautiful. I love Georgia. You would get out of the shower and start sweating instantly again. So it's like you just cleaned yourself and now you're sweaty again. Like you just have to live drenched in sweat. <laughs> That's just the state of Georgia, <laughs> drenched in sweat. Uh, what are your favorite non-wise Hickman authors? Um, Chris... Perkins? Is it Chris Perkins? Chris Pearson? He did the Blades of the Tiger series, uh, the Talada's trilogy. He did the um, um, the um, 
King Priest trilogy. I think he's brilliant. I love his writing style. Um, I really, really like uh, the the um, Elven Nations trilogy and the Lost, the Exiles, Elven Exiles trilogy that was written by the same team up uh, group. I like those authors. Who else? I'm not a big Richard Knack fan. Like I know people love Legend of Human, love Kaz the Minotaur and stuff, and I mean he's he's okay, but I just he does too many tropes of. Like the character gets knocked out and then he's fine or he's near death and then they're okay. And he, he like kills people off or seemingly kills them off in order to get them out of an impossible situation that he's written them into. And then just sort of starts fresh again when they wake up and they're being saved by someone else. He does that all the time. And it's frustrating as a reader because I don't, if they're incapable of doing what you're setting them up to do, then don't have them do that. Like, you keep hitting the reset button every damn story, every third chapter. I'm no longer invested in the character or the story anymore. So, I don't know. I think he's wildly overrated. People bloviate those books as if they're the greatest things in sliced bread. And I can see if that's how you came into Dragonlance that you think that. But I just don't. I don't see it personally. I just don't. Um, that's how you were when you lived in Japan, drenched in sweat. That's what my son is right now. Um, you have the best to ruin knack for you <laughs> for the human chasm minotaur. I was 100% right on everything, but knack was how you got started in Dragonlance. So, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with loving him. I mean, he, he is a talented author. I just don't personally enjoy his style that much. Um, you know, another one I really what loved was James Lauder's, is it James Lauder? But Lauder's uh, two Lord Soth novels that were set in Ravenloft. I really enjoyed those novels. I thought he did a really great job taking over Lord Soth, even though he approached Lord Soth differently than Tracy Hickman created him and ultimately killed him off. It, it felt almost like a completely different character because it was such a different take on Lord Soth. I still really dug it. I, you know, there's that gothic horror version of Lord Soth. It fits perfectly with that Ravenloft sensibility. So I really, really enjoyed it. Um... Gosh, and what other authors? I wish I knew more authors' names just off the top of my tongue, but I've really, like I've re I've read so many of these Dragonlance books, and most of the authors I just don't have in my my brain, you know, for for what they've done. Um, but yeah, what are you guys' favorite Dragonlance books? You know, it's a Legend of Human. <laughs> it's okay if it is. Don't I'm not going to disparage you. What uh, what are good books to learn more about Lord Soth? Well, well, my friend. Uh, first and foremost, there's some Dragonlance short stories in um, Tales, I think the Cataclysm, Tales 2, the Cataclysm. Um, but uh, like Dragons in the Archive has a whole bunch of like a couple of them stacked in that collection, which are really good short stories for him. Um, of course, you know, if you're reading Dragons of Winter Night and then... Um, Let's see, Dragons of uh, High Lord Skies and um, Dragons of the Hourglass Mage and Dragons of S Spring Dawning, you're going to get some Lord Soth. The Legends trilogy is a great Lord Soth primer where you're going to learn, of course, him and Kitty are already together, but that's the Blue Ladies' War, is the, tr the Legends trilogy. You know, everyone sort of focuses on 
um, Raceland, and rightfully so, because he goes back, gets rid of his Daedalus, and then, you know, ultimately challenges the gods. But there's a B story to that with Kidiara and Lord Zoth. And Lord Zoth is just playing Dalamar off of um, uh, Raceland and Kidiara, and he's playing Kidiara off of Raceland and Dalamar, and he's um, and even off of Tannis. And uh, Lord Soth, I think, is the secret hero of Legends novels. Because if it wasn't for him, doing that sort of duplicitous uh, work with Kidiara and Dalamar and Raceland, uh, I, I think he would have annihilated... Um, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember the damn name of the town. <laughs> wow! He would have just completely won Plantis. Uh, he would have annihilated Plantis even more than he actually did. Like, he would have just decimated that entire city. Like, completely. And arguably, he would have taken over. I mean, the only thing that stopped Lord Soth from destroying everyone and everything was Kidiara. He wanted her soul. He wanted her corpse. That was it. If it wasn't for her dying, he would have continued to murder everyone and no one could have stopped him. So Kidiara would have been the Dragon Queen. Lord Soth would have been, you know, commanding all of Ancelon. I mean, it would have been a whole different, different story if Kidiara did, didn't die. But he wanted her to. And so he, she did. And that's the part that I don't think people really appreciate enough is that Lord Soth, he didn't care about what he was doing. It was all a ruse. He just wanted her to die so he could own her. And that was it. I loved it. It was great. Great, great story. And then, of course, all the Raceland stuff was amazing, too. But that B-plot was gold. So good. So that's another good place for Lord Soth stuff. And then if you want to jump over to Ravenloft, there's Night of the Black Rose and Scepter of the Black Rose that are just great stories of him finding himself trapped in Ravenloft right after taking Kidiara's body back to Dergard Keep. So it's it's you could just follow this really great trajectory of his story and then he comes back into War of the Souls and that's the end of him. So he has a great story. He's he's a great character. All right, I think he's the greatest villain of of all of Dragonlance. I don't really see Raceland as a villain, so you know, I think I think Lord Soth is more interesting than even Fist and Dantalus, you know. I mean, he's he's a great character. All right, it was great seeing Finn back. Yeah, I loved playing with him. It was it was a lot of fun. I was surprised he took a level in Monk. I didn't see that coming. I don't know where that's going. <laughs> It'll be interesting to find out. I'm hoping he can join for more games, but yeah, he's in the military, so you never know when they're off doing training or when his schedule changes and stuff. So as, as long as he is available, I will play the game with him. I wish, because I took such a long hiatus away from Dungeons & Dragons, um, to do a bunch of other stuff that uh, I could have been playing it with him. And he was off playing it with his school friends and even the teachers had like after school D&D sessions and stuff. And even his friends, one of the people who's going to be joining me for the Ravenloft campaign, um, he wanted me to join their campaign. And I was like, nah, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons anymore. I'm, I'm beyond that. <laughs> I'm grown up. <laughs> well, that didn't last. Uh, so I wish it's one of those things where I just wish I would have played more with him, you know, played that game. We could have had so many great stories and great moments and experiences. And I don't know. 
when he was really little, I tried to get him into playing Star Wars with me. I was playing Star Wars Saga Edition at the time. It was when Dungeons and Dragons 4th Edition was out. And Saga System was very much, not Dragonlance Saga, but Star Wars Saga System was very much like uh, Dungeons and Dragons 4th Edition. It's just, you know, different, uh, slightly altered rules to fit the Star Wars universe. And it was a lot of fun. Even Dana, who is in, um, she plays Janik in the Shadow of the Dragon Queen campaign. She was in my Star Wars campaign too. And my Dungeons and Dragons campaign before that. So I've been playing with her for, for decades. But we've just, you know, since I took my hiatus away from playing, this is the first time I've seen and played with her in, in over two decades, a decade and a half. It's been a long time. But she's great. I love that woman. She's wonderful. Um, all right, what else? Interesting take with Soph being the secret hero. Yeah, I think so anyway. But that's just because I'm a sucker for Soph. He's great. All right, well, that's it. Sorry, it's going to be a short one today. I have nothing else to talk about, and I'm sweating. <laughs> so I'm going to turn this bad boy off. That is all the time I have for the Dragonlance Hangout. What do you guys think about the programming announcement? Would you like to see the Dragonlance projects added? Let's start a, a hashtag. <laughs> do people do that still? <laughs> hashtag bring Dragonlance back. Uh, have you ever considered doing a YouTube for a more broad topic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In truth, in the history of my content creation, I've, I've had four different YouTube channels. One of them is just my personal one where I just put up random stuff from time to time and then take it back down. Um, the other is a media specific one that touches on all sorts of weird stuff. I had a religious one for a while and then I have a Star Wars one right now and then I have this Dragonlance one. So I've had a lot of different YouTube channels focusing on different, you know, and there are varying success and stuff like the Star Wars one. We don't really try to grow it at all. It's just whenever we can get together, we just sort of talk about Star Wars. Um, the other one, the sort of a random media one, I have role-playing games on it. I have, you know, movie reviews and all sorts of strange stuff. But it's not really for everyone. It's more adult and, you know, counterculture. Um, and the religious one I don't do anymore. So, you know, that channel I deleted and stuff. I'm not really comfortable sharing my other content, to be quite honest, on this channel. So I'll have to do it offline. And I'll, I'll let you know. And it's because this, this channel is very much sort of PG-13. And my other stuff is not at all. So um, it's a totally different audience. And I want to make sure that I make that separation very, very clear. So I'll have to, after, you know, offline, I'll, I'll reach out to you. And, and I'll, if you really want to know, I'll let you know those other channels. But that's it. Thank you guys so much. You can always reach out to me at info at dlsaga.com or leave a comment below. If you're tuning in live, thank you guys. I appreciate your time and attention. You could be doing anything and you choose to sit here and watch my ugly mug. I appreciate it, man. I would like to take a moment and remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel, ring the bell to get notified about upcoming videos, and click the like button. This all goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. Of course, this channel is all about celebrating the wonderful world of the Dragonlance Saga. Thank you so much for joining in that celebration. Once again, my name is Adam with Dragonlance Song. Until next time, Slanjavar.